This week on Inside Motorsport, we catch up with Andrew Clark about his new book, along with Mark Scaife. It's called Scaifey Life in the Fast Lane. And Andrew Clark joining us on the line now, and Clarky, this book, it's uh, interesting because uh, Scapey's still racing. I think you start one of these and you've always got it in the back of your mind, you know, oh, I can do another chapter here, and uh, you've, you've got it planned in your head. I mean, I kind of know where I would slot more more words into this book, because I, I think there's probably two more chapters to finish off this book, um, which can come in five or ten years' time, depending on how many years Mark runs for. Um, and it's a bit like, you know, when we did the racing years with Mark last year, you know, we sat back and, and watched him almost win Bathurst and you're thinking, oh, geez, I'd love to have that in. But then, you know, if you held off then and, and waited to put that Bathurst in, then you'd sit back and you'd think, oh, what about the next Bathurst? And, you know, that's kind of where we're at now. I mean, the major part of Mark's career is over. He's no longer a professional full-time racing driver. Um, and the time was probably right to do it. And uh, the publisher had been belting down the door to try and get it done and, uh, you know, when publishers belt your door down, it's a bit hard to resist them. Mm. Now, of course, we couldn't afford Mark Scaife to read some of the book to us, so, uh, well, your name's up there on the byline, so we figured we'd get you to read some of the, the parts that you find significant. Yeah, it's funny, when you asked me, I thought oh, I should pull out the tapes and give you the tapes that we went from, but uh, that was going to be way too tough. Um, so yeah, I've pulled out a couple of things because I think, yeah, to me, the interesting parts or the interesting things I got out of this book was, you know, I learned a lot more about Mark's motivation. And, and the interesting thing for me is that I started my career as a motor racing journalist about the same time Mark was starting his career as a race driver. So, you know, Mark, Glenn Seaton and I, um, we, we all grew up in motorsport, uh, in the formal uh, professional motorsport world together. So I've seen and, and been around Mark for a very long time. Um, and I thought I knew him reasonably well, um, but I learned a lot more about him through this process. And, uh, you know, and to me, it came out was the motivation. Um, the other part that blew me away were the crashes, you know, like I cannot believe the bloke's still alive, um, let alone still able to walk. Um, and then, you know, he talks then about the reasons why he did things like HRT. So I thought I'd just kick you off with a, with a little bit where he, uh, he talks about driving at, at qualifying and committing himself and it kind of starts out with none of the big picture motorsport things matter one ounce when you're lined up on the grid sitting there by yourself no one's going to help you then and that's why I say it's a very individual sport perhaps the only sport I can think of where it's the same is boxing all the trainers all the strappers count for nothing when you're going to train patches with somebody when you put the helmet on it's a defining time but that's not enough on its own it really starts from a willingness to be there I remember reading Alan Jones' book, Driving Ambition, and one of the really pertinent things he wrote was that when you put your helmet on and you're sitting in the car and you're ready for a race or for qualifying, you actually have to be happy that you're there to do that, that you're happy to go and drive the car to the edge of disaster, that you're happy to commit to whatever that task is and you don't feel like you want to be anywhere else. Without that, you can't possibly do your best. When you put your hat on and you've climbed the board, you absolutely have to be 100% happy and committed to what you're about to do. Uh, and, and from there, you know, Mark actually goes on and talks about those latter couple of years and he talks about the fact that it actually wasn't the place that he wanted to be. Um, and that was when the, the realisation came to him that he needed to move on 
and uh, find something else to do. Um, it's I, I I have to say one of the photos in the book is so uh, just jogs my memory, and that's the one coming off the uh, bridge at Oran Park. The uh, the blue leathers with the uh, red and white striper. A lot of people in the karting world at my age would remember that outfit and uh, and uh, running into him literally as well as figuratively at kart tracks all over uh, New South Wales. Yeah, and that becomes an interesting part of the book too because it talks a lot in there about you know his family background. You know, he's a third generation motoring person in Australia. You know, both his dad ran an incredibly successful business up around Wyong and his grandfather before that. Um, and he talked a lot about, you know, what he learnt from those guys, which was, you know, when you saw those ads on telly, you know, probably about a decade ago, where Mark Scape was standing there saying, I'm a control freak, and we all kind of chuckle a little bit. Well, I can tell you right now that that is 100% true. He is a control freak, um, and he gets that sense of perfection from his father, who got that from his father. So, you know, it's, it's very much entrenched into the way he does things. And he talks about, you know, at one stage, you know, washing the car when he was five years of age and he couldn't quite reach the centre of the roof. And his dad went through him, tore a new hole in him. And the, the next thing you know, next time Mark washes the car, he's got a stepladder there so that he can get up and clean the, that part of the roof. You know, so he, he learned some life lessons at that point, which was quite interesting. Um, but, you know, he talks about how, you know, the, while his dad was running the business, you know, they decided that, Mark needed help, so you know they got went out and got some help. You know he learned a lot from Glenn Seaton and and a few others at the time. So very important time. Don McLean, a very influential figure in his life back in those days. Yeah. Of course, uh, in later times, his memory is foggy of races because of the uh, business pressure that he was completely under. Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, like you talk to him about these things, and you get incredible detail about something that went on 20 years ago, or you can go back and find incredible detail. Like, you know, when you talk to him about the, the Russell Ingle incident at Eastern Creek, like you can see the anger rising in him. Like he's still got that passion from that incident that, you know, the hands start to shake and the anger and the eyes go. Um, but then you start to talk about, you know, something that happened three years ago. You know, I remember talking to him at um, Simmons Plains in, in his last time there. And, you know, he was just sitting there with this dumbfounded look on his face saying, you know, how come I'm seven kilometres per hour slower down the back straight than Garth Tander? Um, and uh, he can't remember that now. Um, so, you know, these things he's lost. And it's because of all of the other stuff that was going on, trying to juggle all the pressures um, that, that came from owning that team. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we all said when he took it on that it was, you know, going to end his career because, you know, you just couldn't do it in this day and age. And I think... You know, we look back and say, you know, geez, I was right there and he was wrong. Um, but to me, the other interesting part is when he talks about why he actually did the team, why he went and bought HRT. Uh, and it's probably the same reason that allowed him to drag on his career at Gibson's where it was about the people that were around him. You know, he felt a loyalty to those engineers and to the team and to the people. Um, so when he went out and bought HRT, um, he did that with all of those guys in mind, that he thought the only way you could retain HRT and HRT's character was to essentially have it run by the same people. And that's what he did. He went out and he found the $3.25 million he needed to buy the team, and he did it, and he took out a loan, and off he went. It's interesting because uh, we've just seen in um, V8 Supercars that uh, John Crennan had had that one year's gardening, sorry, that two years yeah. gardening leave before he could move back into the sport. 
And I guess in some respects, this book can't be finished until the equivalent of gardening leave is taken by Scafi. Yep, yep, certainly. Um, and, and it's like, you know, gardening leave is enforced by lawyers and so too are certain other aspects in life. And uh, um, one of the interesting things about that is, you know, I remember when we, were, you know, we talked on uh, Bear Insiders last week, I think it was, when, about John Crennan getting that gig, is that um, John Crennan's office, physical office, is next door to Mark Scafe. Um, you know, they're still that close as people that, um, that they rent their office off the same people. Um, so, you know, I've seen John Crennan quite a bit over this period of time. And uh, I mean, I personally think John Crennan's an amazing man. What he's done is quite staggering. And I think, uh, you know, when he does his book, there's a bloody good story in that one too. Um, but, yeah, gardening leave gives you things. So, you know, there will be an update to this book at some point, I would think. And uh, that might give people a bit more juice. Um, maybe it'll satisfy the Phil Brannigans of this world who all they wanted was to read a book that dumped on people rather than um, spoke in positives. Well, it's interesting because just in time for Father's Day is uh, this version of Scapey, Life in the Fast Lane. Publishers are smart like that, aren't they? It's uh, like I was reading today that uh, Jason Ackermanis' book is going to be launched on preliminary final day and uh, people are saying, why would you want to do that? And, like, you know, as a publisher, I know what day I'll be wanting to launch it. Andrew Clark joining us there on the line. Scafe, Life in the Fast Lane is available through Random House. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Motorsport. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.